It's amazing to see and to think all that God has done over these last five years, and it's it, it, it's humbling. Um, it, it, it's it, it just warms my heart. I was sitting over here in worship, and I was watching y'all worship, which I, I may not be supposed to do that, but um, and I just just praising God. You're who we prayed for when we started this thing. Um, you're the ones that we prayed for. You're the ones that we hoped that we would be able to meet, to be able to, to, to minister to, and to be able to minister with so that we can just tell as many people as possible about how good Jesus is. And um, I want to I tell you that I just, I probably don't tell you this enough, but I, I love you, church. I love you. And it's a joy, it's, it's a privilege, it's an honor to be your pastor. And um, next to my relationship with Jesus and my wife and my kids, I mean, y'all are it. So you're fourth fiddle, but I, I love you, and, I, and I'm just so grateful that I get to be your pastor. And I want to read a, a passage of scripture with you today that has kind of served as um, kind of our guiding light for what we've done in preparation for today and, and, and what and why we're doing what we're doing today. Psalm 145 says this, that one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. And they shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. So on our fifth birthday today, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're, for those of you that are here in this season, um, I just want to share the story with you. Not, not of, of how awesome Discover Church is, but how awesome our God is and the things that he's been doing in and through the people of Discover Church. And the reason for that is that, that, that we're all here and if maybe you were here for the first time today, if so, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Maybe, maybe you came two months ago or three years ago. Whenever it was that you came, I want to try to help you see that you, you've jumped into a movement here of, of something that God is doing. And I'm so encouraged to know that Discover Church is not the only part of the movement. There are so many great churches in our community, Restore and Vineyard and Life Church and Northland Baptist and, and South of the River with Abundant Life and, and so many other great churches, um, Connections Church, so many great churches that are doing great things across the city. Um, but today, we just want to celebrate what God has uniquely and specifically done here so that everyone that's a part of this generation of Discover Church can be aware and appreciate all that God has been doing. And the thing that has driven us, the thing that has, has motivated us and moved us consistently is a crystal clear vision that God has given to us. I mean, he gave this to us early, early, early on that, that Discover Church exists to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. Everything that we're doing, we're doing for that end, for that goal, and for that purpose. And what I love about this vision is that it's both impossibly huge and practically small. And the impossibly huge part of it, it's easy to sit back and go, okay, you know, we're, we're a church. We got a few hundred folks here and uh, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. We really believe that one church can do it. One church can change an entire city. And, and listen, I don't believe it. it's just one church can change an entire city. But I believe that God has called us to do our part in the process of seeing our city changed by Jesus. And so when we think about this impossibly big vision of seeing two and a half million people Worshiping Jesus and, and serving Jesus. One of the catalyzing moments for me was at the Royals Parade um, in 2015. That's the God had, was beginning to drip some vision. And, and uh, how many of you were downtown at the parade on that day? Several of us. How many of you saw a picture of the parade on that day? Man, when I was down there with my father-in-law, I just began to wonder what would it be like 
if this wasn't just in celebration for the winning of a, of a trophy that will eventually fade away, but what if, what if there were this many people and more who would be willing to celebrate and worship King Jesus, the one who will never fade away? And so it can seem really large and imposing and even impossible to think about changing a city, but I believe it is possible. And I believe that God has been doing impossible things from the very beginning. I'll never forget when I stood in front of a room full of 15 or 20 people and cast vision that we're, gonna, we're not gonna launch and open the doors of Discover Church unless we know that there's gonna be at least 300 people there. And let me tell you something, that seemed impossible. And, and, and they're not joking. I literally saw two people That's not possible. But what I want to help you see today is that God has consistently taken the little bit that we have given back to him in faith and obedience to the vision that he's given us and how he's consistently multiplied that. Listen, if you could go back and tell that living room full of people that we're not going to have 300 people on launch day, we're going to have 562 people on launch day. I promise that I would have been the first one saying, nope, that, uh-uh, you can't, that's not, uh-uh, you can't do that. That's not, that's not how this works. We got 20 people in a living room right now. I understand that Jesus is the one that took five loaves and two fishes and fed thousands of people, but I don't know how you multiply 20 people to almost 600 people over the course of just of a few months. But that's what God did. And what God did in the midst of, of the story of our church, he's consistently just taken what we had. I'll never forget in March of 2020. Does anybody remember? Anybody remember? Yeah. yeah I know you tried to forget it. We had gotten to a point, amen. We had gotten to a point as a church where we were starting to finally get a little bit of momentum. We were just starting to figure out what the heck we're doing. And then the mayor issued the order. Gatherings are going to be restricted to 10 or less. And I remember just a couple days later, we gathered all of our leaders, staff, and volunteers. We got, had about 20 people in our office, and we spent about four or five hours just brainstorming together, okay, how do we do church in this new environment? And we left that night after four or five hours, and we had a game plan that we felt really good about. We were excited. We were high-fiving. We were exhausted. We were tired. It was 11 o'clock or so at night, but we were high-fiving like, all right, let's go get it. Two days later, order changed, no public gatherings. <laughs> And I remember thinking, huh, well, how, how are we going to do that? And I remember being concerned that all of the folks that had spent so much time crafting that plan were going to be really demotivated and defeated. But I got text messages and emails that said, hey, did you see the new order? What's the plan now? Let, what, what, let me know what we need to do. And people just showed up and they continued to serve. And so, it, you know, I mean, it, 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 it was kind of scary, honestly. I mean, we were a, an 18-month-old church and we were trying to figure out, okay, how do, we, how do we keep momentum going? How do we continue to minister to the community? How do we bless people? I mean, everybody's looking for hope and there's a whole bunch of people that are either angry or scared. Um, and, and so how, how do we serve in this environment? And, and so it took us a while to kind of figure some things out. And so for a little bit, church looked kind of like this. There it is. We're just recording stuff at our office. Listen, I'm going to tell you, it felt weird being in, a, you know, in our office with these big spotlights on me and, 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 and one camera lens and one dude, Matt Moeller, on the other side of it, making sure that we record it. And listen, 
it's a little awkward in here sometimes when I say things. Sometimes I say things where I'm trying to be funny. Other times I say things where I'm not really trying it, but y'all laugh anyway. But, but in that moment, one of the things that we were trying to model was our core value of laugh loud. And so I was trying to bring some, you know, some humor or you know, something funny I saw on the internet. It's one thing when you tell a room full of people something that you think is going to be funny and nobody laughs. It's another thing when you're standing in a room with one other person and nobody laughs. I'm like, well, we didn't hit record. I mean, we, there's no backing that up, so I can't do over. But man, that's what we did. And we were trying to figure out how do we connect people? And because people are so distant and isolated. And so small groups look like, look at this next picture. This is what small groups look like for a little bit. Just doing it on Zoom. Just trying to find a way to connect people and put people together. And, and through it all, we were just saying, God, we, we, you've given us this vision to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. And, and the conditions have changed, but the vision has not. So, so we just began constantly asking, Lord, how do we engage with people who are hurting? How do we equip people who are trying to follow and grow in Jesus? How do we empower volunteers and leaders to, to bless and serve their community? And so, so, man, we were just constantly just trying new thing after new thing after new thing and eventually we figured some things out we figured that you know what we don't have to do this just kind of in a in a stuffy office and so for a while over the course of the summer we did worship and recorded worship and it looked kind of like this we were going to different public places and it was kind of in that weird in between where it wasn't cool to be inside but it wasn't cool to wear masks yet either and so we were outside without masks and we were just doing the whole worship thing and then you know and then the next slide this is what it looked like when I was trying to you know preach messages that would hopefully be a blessing and encouragement to people. And, and we were just trying to figure things out. We were just constantly trying to lean in and lean forward because God kept saying, if you just give me what you've got, I'll take it, I'll use it, I'll bless it, I'll multiply it. One of the things that was really cool is we repurposed a whole lot of our resources in this, in this season. And we were just trying to um, equip volunteers and leaders to figure out how do you serve and bless your community. We had people who, um, there was, a, there was a, a, a racial reconciliation march that was happening in Parkville. And so one of our small groups bought a whole bunch of water bottles and put them in the cooler and took them out and passed water bottles out. We had another small group ask us, said, hey, can we, can we do like 500 bucks in Chick-fil-A? We just kind of want to do a block party with folks in our community. Approved. Please do that. Go bless people. Um, we had somebody, somebody who thought, you know, who's probably dealing with a lot of a hardship right now are teachers and administrators. Any teachers or administrators in the classroom or school building back then? Like, listen, we were trying to figure out how to do it one way a week, one day a week. Y'all were trying to figure out how to do it every freaking day. And God bless all the moms and dads who were stay at home working and trying to co-teach your kids. You want to see something funny? Watch a five-year-old in front of a computer screen on a Zoom meeting with 20 other five-year-olds. My daughter reminded me of a story just this last week where one of the teachers, <laughs> she had drawn out the mute button on a piece of paper and was constantly going, it looks like this. Click that button. Is there anyone there to help you push the mute button? Apparently there was a kid in her class that was going yum, 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 in the Zoom meeting. <laughs> I'm going, oh my Lord. Oh, so thank you, Lord. Those days are behind us. So we just had someone on our team say, man, how can we bless teachers and ministers? We can't fix all the problems, but maybe we can take care of dinner for a night. And so we partnered with Papa Murphy's off of Berry Road, and we gave away a 1,000 pizzas to, to educators in the Northland, just, just trying to figure out how do we bless, how do we serve, how do we continue to try to see our city changed by Jesus one life 
at a time. And so the vision that God has given us is really big and it seems impossible, but if we just keep leaning in, God will continue to do his thing. God will work in our work. But our vision is also incredibly small and incredibly personal. That the way that we're gonna see our city changed by Jesus it's through one life at a time that we don't exist as a church to, 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 to put together a big church service and we don't exist as a church to, to put together big things or to build a thing or to, or to establish a thing. We, we're here ultimately so that we can see the impact in people's lives. And we have seen so many people's lives changed by Jesus. I can't tell you how many stories I can tell of people who were far from God that have come to faith in Jesus over the last five years or, or entire families that have been transformed, entire households transformed by the power of the good news that Jesus came and lived. He died and rose again and wants to equip them to live a life that matters. And, and we've seen entire households transformed where, where they were before either, either far from God and distant from God or at minimum disinterested in their relationship with God that, that now so many homes and so many families are, are serving and have passion and, and, and have this vibrant energy to be a part of the movement of God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story where someone said, man, I came into the church for the first time thinking that I was going to feel kind of isolated and alone, but I met so many good people and I'm friends with so many of them now and, and so many people who joined a small group that would say, man, I don't just have friends, I really do have family. And I've heard so many stories about people that got a diagnosis or there was a death in the family or some sort of, some sort of hardship where the people in their small group rallied around them and provided meals for them and, and prayed for them and wept with them and, and encouraged them and helped them around their home. Or how many times I've, I've seen, um, we've seen God do amazing things. We've seen miracle pregnancies happen at our church and, and hear the story of people, man, I couldn't, I was so excited to tell my family and my small group. That's who I wanted to tell. That's who I wanted to celebrate with. We've seen people in our church who've, who've gone through the ups and the downs of addiction. And that in the down cycles where they were, they were kind of off the wagon again and, and they were struggling, the, in the times where they've kind of gotten back on their feet and come back, I've heard several people say, you know what, I, 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 I fell off the wagon again and I was in a bad place again and I was in that, in doing that dumb thing again. But you know what was constant? This person and this person and this person at your church, they kept reaching out to me and letting me know that God loves me and that God's not through with me. I've heard so many stories of people who say, you know, I, I'm good at this or I'm, I'm interested in that or I was trained at work to do this for this purpose, but I never knew that God could use that stuff in the church. I never knew that God could use that stuff for his glory. And, and so people are, we've got so many people who are now taking their, their training or their interests or their abilities and they're now working together as a part of a team to bless other people. And I could go on and on and on and on and on about how God is impacting and blessing people through the work of our church and how people's lives are being changed. That's what he's been doing these last five years. And as I think about what the next five years looks like, I believe that there's this truth that we, we all need to wrestle with and we all need to allow it to settle and come to rest deep in our spirit that every single one of us is sitting in someone else's sacrifice. What do, I, what do I mean by that? 
I mean, if you've ever been blessed or encouraged by a church service, if you've ever been, been uh, experienced your kids being ministered to at Discover Kids or, um, or, or with Bridge Student Ministry, if you've, you've ever enjoyed a, a cup of coffee or, or, or a Costco crack bread cut up into nice, perfect, symmetrical squares, if you've ever experienced a smiling face when you walked in the door, a helping hand to help you with your kiddos, if you've ever experienced someone holding an umbrella on a rainy day, all of that has happened because somebody has sacrificed for that to become reality. And what I want to help us see that as we, yes, we're celebrating today and we're grateful for who God is and what God is doing in our midst, but I think it's also critical that we remember that God works through people. And that we're here because the sacrifices of others. Discover Church wouldn't exist without the sacrifice of people at Abundant Life in Lee Summit. Jessica and I were there for a long, long time. We met there. We were high school sweethearts there. Um, we got married in that church. That was my first job in ministry at that church. She got invited to be a part of the worship team at that church. We've, we've got so much invested there and we're so grateful. And if it wasn't for the people who were a part of that church that sacrificed greatly tens of thousands of dollars to help support the launch of Discover Church and, and constantly there, a text message or phone call away if ever we needed encouragement or, or we needed help or advice about something. And all of them set the stage and set the conditions so that, so that this group of people right here on the screen could meet in our living room. And without the people sacrificing an abundant life, we, we wouldn't have been able to have met those people. And to connect with them and get to know their story and invite them to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And if it wasn't for, for those people, then, then this next group of people wouldn't have happened. This is our launch team. We're gathering out here in the lobby. We went from about 15 to 20 people, including kids, to having 82 adults, plus I don't even remember how many kids, a part of the launch team. And all of those people were there and, and they were serving. And so many of those people on the launch team, by the way, are still here. We've got, we've got um, at least four or five families that started serving on the launch team on setup and teardown and have served almost every single Sunday for the last five years, except for deer season, but every single Sunday for the last five years on setup and teardown, just so that we can have a church service. I mean, if there's a time to clap and say thank you, that would be it. And they're not the only ones. We've got so many people that have served so consistently, so behind the scenes, and all of it is so that, so that we could get to the point of seeing this happen on our launch Sunday. And we were so excited. I'll tell you, we, 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 we pressed and we pressed and we pressed for 15 months in preparation for launch Sunday. So many people here. Our team was running around with our hair on fire, excited and happy. I mean, we look like psychedelic clowns probably. I mean, we're like, hey, how are you? It's so good to see you. I'm Jernigan. How are you? How are you? What's your name? It's Jernigan. And it's so good to see you. J-E-R. Good to see you. Glad you're here. So nice to meet you. Right? And, I, and I'll never forget, I turned around with some of our volunteers that were about 15 feet behind me. And I turned around at one point and they're holding our uh, info packets. We're giving info packets to everybody. And they've got info packets clutched in their arms and their jaws on the floor. And I turned around and kind of gave them like a, one of these things. How you doing? How you doing? Turned around, check on them again. It's like, hey, let's go. And then eventually they're, I put my arm around them and said, isn't this awesome? They go, where did they come from? I said, I don't know. Let's go talk to them. Let's go say hi. <laughs> we don't want to give them the wrong... I'll never forget Monday. 
after lunch and, and we got together with our little kind of team meeting and uh, I remember thinking, well, now what do we do? We worked so hard to get to yesterday and I'm not 100% sure what we do now. And so we just leaned in and tried to figure things out. We tried to get to know people as best we could and, and, then, and then COVID happened and, and then we went from it looking like that to, you can go to the next one. This is what it looked like to serve in COVID. Let me, let me tell you something. It's about 98 degrees on that day. And our team is uh, recording something off of Smithville Lake. And we've got some college-age people behind us. Woo! And the whole time I was just thinking, dear Lord, I pray that nothing that shouldn't be seen <laughs> would be seen while I'm preaching the word. And that's Devin, and he's, what he's doing there is that it was so hot that the, several things are happening. The equipment was on the brink of overheating, and the sun was so bright that they couldn't see the screen on the computer to be able to mix the sound stuff, and I don't know what that means, but they tell me they mix it. And, and, then, and so they created this little canopy thing, and, and Devin's like, well, I mean, if we got it, I'm gonna you know, get under here and enjoy it, two inches of it. And people were sacrificing in this season just trying to figure out how do we bless people? How do we encourage people? In the hopes that we would eventually get back to this day. This is the next day. And this is what it was like when we came back from COVID. And we were all, you know, distanced and... Let me just tell you something. Ain't a single person alive that didn't have an opinion about what we should have been doing in this season. And it was funny watching those people meet. Because there were some people who were, you know, like, man, forget the mask. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. How are you? And then there was the other. And then there was people in between and people were like, hey. And I've never said this publicly before. When we got back to this phase, it was both really encouraging and really disheartening. Because when we came back, we had half the church that we did before COVID happened. And I remember as a, as a pastor wondering where everybody was. And I know that there's things that we could have, should have done differently. The good thing about a pandemic is, is nobody knows what the heck they're doing. So, sorry. We'll try better at the next one. But I remember also being just really discouraged because I knew how much our team had worked. And to work and to sacrifice and give so much and to finally be able to come back and we we're thankful for the ones that were there, but it just wasn't nearly as many people. But we kept leaning in and our team kept serving. In fact, this is what it looked like to serve in that season. Man, we masked up. We had hand sanitizer everywhere. If you want to take a hand sanitizer shower, you could. In fact, one of the things that we didn't know was exactly how much hand sanitizer one church might need. We have several boxes of it still at our office. <laughs> but we got a deal on it, I'm going to tell you. We got a bargain. And everything that we did in that season was just pressing and leaning and believing that God's called us 
to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. And so now we serve like this. We serve like this back in Discover Kids where we're not just, it's not just childcare or babysitting. We're discipling your kids and we're teaching them about Jesus on their level. We serve like this. Go to the next one where, where we're just trying to create space and environments for people to meet each other and to hang out. So we'll send the youth guy calling out, you know, on the hottest freaking day of the year to turn and burn burgers and hot dogs. Listen, it's not my fault he set the tent up where the sun didn't give him any, sh- where he couldn't get any shade. It's not my fault that he did that. But we had people serving it. Why? Just so people can connect together and, and, and get to know each other. And we serve like this. Go to the next one. We serve like this on a rainy day. Rainy days are my favorite days at Discover Church because I love seeing our greeters outside in rain jackets and umbrellas saying, we got you. Welcome to church. And then we serve like this at the bridge where we're investing into the next generation that, that you know, their, their problems may, may seem small sometimes to grownups and adults, but they're still their problems and they're really big to them. And we're just trying to help them know that it doesn't matter what the problem is, Jesus is the answer. And so we're sitting in people's sacrifice that, that this church is not, I'm trying to help you understand, this church is not built on the talents of a few, it's built on the sacrifices of many. And I just believe with all my heart that if we as a church continue to have the posture that the church shouldn't, shouldn't exist to expect something from people, it should exist to expect something for people, that we want for people to discover the life that's really only found in Jesus, that we want for people to discover belonging in community where they can do life together and, and find healing and forgiveness for, for, for the things and the shame and the guilt of their past. We want four people to be able to answer life's biggest questions. Why am I here? We want to help you with that. We want to help people. Um, we want to be four people recognizing that there is a reason that you're alive and that your life matters and it makes a difference more than just the bottom line at work, that there's a reason there's breath in your lungs and it's so that you can tell other people about Jesus and, and you do that by using your gifts to bless and serve others and so we we've established and built our church on john chapter 17 and verse 3 when jesus is praying to god the father and he's 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 helping us see what the heart of god is and he says he says and this is eternal life he's praying is jesus praying to god the father that they may know you the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That word know is the Greek word gnosko. It, it doesn't just mean know you like, like I know Patrick Mahomes. Like I know Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I know him. He doesn't know me, but I know him. <laughs> We're connected on social media. I go to his sanctuary sometimes and, and give him kudos for what he's doing. You see, that's not the kind of relationship that God wants with us. The kind of relationship that God wants with you is a, is a personal, intimate, growing relationship. He wants to be involved and, and connected to, to all of the details of your life. And so, so as I think about our church, we, we just built our church on the reality of the truths that are embedded in that verse in John 17, 3. The first being is that God wants all of us to experience eternal life. He wants that for all of us. He doesn't want that to be a secret or something to be hidden. He wants it for everybody. And he also wants us to know that eternal life is only found in Jesus. It's not found in Hinduism. It's not found in Islam. It's not found in Buddhism. None of those other religions are ever going to lead you to eternal life. Only Jesus can. 
And so as I think about where we're going in the next five years, I really believe that we're just getting started. Kind of, kind of in the same way a five-year-old child, you know, at five years old, they kind of have some of the, the basic basics down, typically. You know, they can eat, and they can take themselves to the bathroom, and they know how to sleep, and they can, they can walk and run a little bit. You know, it's still a little uncoordinated. I saw a bunch of videos. Thankfully, Brian Opperman had the wherewithal to take a bunch of pictures and videos and stuff um, of the journey in the early days, and there's pictures of, of my kids and his kids running around, and they're in that weird stage where they run like stiff-armed, you know, like... Like this, everywhere they go, like, right? That, that's what five-year-olds do. And, and I believe in a lot of ways that, that as we turn the corner and celebrate five years, I believe that, that we've not really even begun to hit our stride yet. I believe that we're really just starting to get some things figured out. We're starting to figure out how things work and, and that, that, that the next five years are gonna be even better than the last five years. And so I wanna ask you today, What would you be willing to allow God to do in your life in the next season? What is it in your life that maybe you're holding on to that you don't believe that God can use, that that God is actually saying today, if you would come to me and you would trust me, you would be able to see that I can actually use that and I can multiply it and I can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you ask or think or imagine with it. And so I want to ask you today, would you consider taking what I call the all-in challenge. What is the all-in challenge? It's, it, it's that you would commit, consider taking the next year, that today you would draw a line in the sand and say, Jesus, for the next year, I'm going all-in for you. I don't know what the questions are, but my answer is going to be yes for the next year. I'm going to get connected to the church. I'm going to get connected to community. I'm going to get connected to reading the word and figuring out how to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to pray and learn how to, uh, Jesus, I'm going all, I'm going to live generously. I'm going to serve graciously. I'm going to, I'm going to live with a tenacity for you, Jesus, for the next year. And I just want to ask, what, what could be possible if you were to decide to do that? Here's what I believe that you would experience that if you would decide to take the all-in challenge and go all-in for Jesus for the next year, that one year from now, in August of 2024, your life would be filled with more joy, more freedom, more peace, and more hope than what you currently have right now. Wherever you are, whatever high mountain you're standing on because things are great, or whatever low valley you're in because things are not, whatever you're, wherever you are, I believe you go all in for Jesus, you will have more of those things a year from now than you have today. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take Lisa's word for it. Lisa is a sweet, sweet woman in our church who gave us her story so that I could share it with you today. And this is what Lisa's story is. She said, in 2020, 2020, in 2020, I was fearful, depressed, addicted, lonely, guilty, and ashamed of my past. I don't know if anyone in here can resonate with any of that. She said, I cried out for Jesus to save me and I received the forgiveness of my sin and chose to make Jesus the king of my life. And in so doing, the Holy Spirit filled me with the courage to go to church and make it a goal to attend church every single Sunday for a year. She said, when I first came to Discover Church and walked through the doors, I met people with a smile so big and a spirit that was so genuine that it gave me hope. And I felt at home immediately. I continued to pray for courage and strength. And the Holy Spirit nudged me to attend the Next Steps course. 
And then I was nudged again by the Holy Spirit to serve on a dream team. And as I did, my fear, my depression, my addictions, my shame, my guilt, it has been replaced by hope, by joy, by peace, and by love. Amen. This is what we're sacrificing for. This is what the vision is to see people's lives, our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. She continues. She said, Jesus is still working some things out for my good, but I am happy to report that I quit smoking last October. And I used to spend Saturday nights getting drunk, but now I have something better and more fulfilling to look forward to, and that's that tomorrow is Sunday and I get to go to church. And so I'm thanking God for that. And I'm praying that others can see how Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. Preach it, Lisa. She said, I still have lots of work to, uh, I still have lots to work on with God. But now I know if he can do it then, then he can do it again. Church, this is what it's all about. This is why we're here. It's for people like Lisa. It's for people like you. And so what is the next step that you need to take today? Maybe you need to take the all-in challenge saying, Jesus, I'm going all in. And for you, maybe that means that you say yes to starting a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe it means that you take the next step of getting baptized. Or maybe you take the next step of jumping into a small group. You, you kind, of, kind of experienced the friend thing at Discover Church. You never experienced the family thing at Discover Church. And so when we start talking about small groups next week, your ears need to perk up and you need to find yours. Or maybe you need to go to the next steps course and allow us to be able to walk beside you to help you figure out why you're here. Or jump into a dream team to realize that God gave you that gift, that talent, that ability for a reason, to play a role on his team. But whatever it is, whatever your next step is that Jesus is leading you to take so that your life might be changed, we're here for it. Because you and your journey with Jesus, that's our mission. And so church, I love you. And I'm so thankful for you being a part of this. However long your tenure on the team has been, I'm grateful for you. But now I want to ask you, what's your step? At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. One eight three five. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.